Good day, everybody. I'm David Irvin. I'm a leadership development specialist and a best-selling author, and we want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. What's uniquely special is that I'm doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley. I'm super excited about this opportunity to work jointly on this project that we are both so passionate about. Haley, how are you this week? I'm good. I'm good. I'm recovering from one of the many plagues that seem to be going around, but seems to be everywhere. Everyone's getting sick all the time. So recovering, but we're good. We're good. It's what, nice to get nice to get in the Christmas spirit. That's what happens when you are hanging around kids. It's true. Cesspools, truly. Schools are just cesspools <laughs> for disease. <laughs> well, I'm really fascinating the topic this week. Yeah. Because we're going to be talking about anger. And this was a this was your suggestion to bring this up. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering whether you would uh, give us some ideas where this is coming from. What's your interest around this? What are you seeing? I've been having lots of really great conversations with my principal lately. And because we're a private school, we're operated by a board. And then the principal obviously sits on the board. So all of our decisions go by a board run by parents as opposed to a school board. But the topic came up recently of um, whether or not we should reinstate masks. Um, and my principal said, make the decision. I cannot have any part of it because regardless, I'm going to get backlash and anger from both sides. And um, sure enough, you know, like when we tried to reinstate masks in the spring, she she'd received lots of messages. When she lifted the mask mandate, she received lots of messages. When she instated, reinstated the mask mandate, she got lots of messages. Um, and that was just sort of one 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 example uh, she and I were also talking about how um, following the lead of, of many recreation centers, um, they instated um, a, a helmet, a mandatory skating helmet for anyone wanting to skate on the on the rink near our school. Um, and again, lots of anger, lots of pushback from the parents. Um, and so it just sort of seems to be a very angry time. Um, and so so I was reflecting on those and there's been more than one occasion where um, and this, you know, I've been in a in a grocery store and um, a customer yells at an employee um, for something trivial, you know, and, and just witnessing that and feeling really I, I don't like conflict. As you know, I didn't really we didn't really grow up with much conflict in the house. And, and just seeing that level of anger is quite unsettling to me. But it, it, I, and I, I know it's I know it, I don't think it's anecdotal um, because I have been talking to lots of people, um, perhaps just anecdotal for all of us. But um, it seems to be since the pandemic, just a general, like lower levels of tolerance and patience with other people and a higher levels of anger and confrontation. Um, and so one line that I've been using with, from my principal, so I forget the exact story, but she was in a grocery store at a deli counter and a customer came and really wanted this one type of cheese, but they were out of that one type of cheese and the customer flew off the rails, completely flew off the handle and uh, started yelling and screaming at, at the at the the tiny little employee who was just, you know, this tiny little teenager. Um, and and Michelle, my, my principal, thought to herself, you know, it's not about the cheese. It's not about the cheese. There's something underlying here. There's something bigger here. Um, and so I, and I, I find myself repeating this mantra quite often. Um, a lot of my students get angry, like even, you know, I, I gave them a short story to read yesterday. It's an older piece from a couple hundred years ago. Um, called the yellow wallpaper. I studied it twice in high school, two different English classes and four times in university. It's a classic English story for early feminism and horror and everything. And uh, I got so much pushback from my students. 
um, just how like just essentially the indignation. How dare you made me read a longer story? How dare you made me write this response? Just so much indignation um, that you know, um, and it's just there just seems to be a lot of of lashing out. And I was wondering if you're seeing that too within the work that you're doing. Um, just and I don't know, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know what the cause is. But what are you noticing, Dad? Well, I just have to ask you: Were they angry about the work, or they were they angry about the content? They're just angry. Both. They're just angry. You know, and and like you know, they get angry if I you know if I give them a, what I would think is a more fun creative assignment. They get angry with that. They get angry if I give them a more like worksheet boring assignment. They get angry with that. Right. It seems to be like like the the cause. There seems to be an underlying cause because it's not the 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 incidental cause at the, in the moment, right? Um, just like it seemed like just like in the deli, it's not it's not about the fact that there is aren't isn't any cheese left, right? It seems to be some sort of greater incidental anger, um, or maybe perhaps people are just getting more vocal about it. I'm not sure. It's never about what it's about. Yeah. Rarely, at least. Well, I certainly am seeing more anger. This one of the one of the things we could ask our listeners is just to look around your own world. Are you feeling more angry? Are you feeling more uptight? Are you feeling more tense? Are you feeling more anxious? Uh, are you noticing more anger and conflict around you? Um, I don't even know if so much it's conflict, but just divisiveness. I I know that our workplaces yes. are coming being very divided right now. We're coming back to work. We're emerging out of this pandemic. And people have been hurt. People have been, uh, people have been. Uh, well, I'm just going to say they've been hurt, and there I am seeing more divisiveness in my work. Uh, I'm hired a lot to come in and work with people who uh, uh, just seem to have unrepairable differences, and 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 just uh, it's it's an underlying volatility that seems present in our world. See it in traffic, see it in our retail stores, see it in our demands on our customer service people, on our restaurants. Even, um, I don't know if you if you follow the Oxford word of the year. Did you hear what it was this year for 2022? I did. Goblin on it? Yeah, do you know what it means? Say more about it, no. Okay, so goblin mode, I see it all over the internet and our students use it all the time. Or they did, I guess, last year because Oxford tends to be a year behind the youths, as they say, um, the slang of the youths. Um, but it means to be, and I just have the definition here in front of me, unapologetically self-indulgent, lazy, slovenly, or greedy. And I know that's not directly tied to anger, but I think there is something to be said about that that focus on the self and focus on internal and unapologetically um, and and without self-regard to other people and, and and things like that, right? And I think that there is a connection there to anger and a connection to, um, you know, that entitlement, right? Well, one could argue that that's another display of anger, yeah. self-centeredness. Yeah. Or goblin mode, if you will. <laughs> Well, let's explore the roots of anger and having, I love conflict as long as it's not mine. So <laughs> I have spent a lot of time in my career helping people navigate conflict, mediate. It's been a big part of my career, as you probably know. 
<laughs> and so I've got some thoughts about anger. And what I'll just uh, ramble for a few minutes here. What I know about anger is that it's a secondary feeling. It's an emergency emotion. It's like when the uh, oil light comes on the dashboard. And if if it's used effectively, it can be a very, it's, it's an innate feeling. Mm -hmm. You know, all animals have anger. When we, it, it, as it's a way of, of um, setting boundaries. I, I don't know if you remember when the, uh, the cat and the dog, do you remember Freddie who came into our house, who was not imprinted to <laughs> cats? And, and we had a, and, and then uh, Milo was bonded. The cat, Milo, the cat, <laughs> Milo, the cat. And when, when he would come and try to snuggle up with Freddie, Freddie uh, was not used to cats. So when Freddie came into the house, Milo would push and push and nudge and nudge. And then he would ultimately just snap. Now he didn't bite, but he yelped so loud that Milo probably jumped three feet and then <laughs> stayed away from him for a couple of weeks. And then he would gradually come back and come back and come back. And then when it, when Freddie was, you know, he was trying to sleep and when he had enough of it, he lost it again, but he didn't lose control. He used anger effectively, appropriately in that he set his boundary. The cat knew he was serious but that was the end of it. He didn't carry a grudge. He didn't keep it going. So it was an emergency emotion that was necessary. But folks, people have not had a very positive experience with learning how to deal with anger. So most people don't know that it's a constructive feeling. And if it's if it's not examined properly, and if it's not understood effectively, what happens is it can become destructive. And most people uh, are have had models in their life of very destructive anger. So I'll, I'll just stop there and see if you have any reaction. And then I'll talk about what is underneath anger. I guess my question is, like, I mean, literally, uh, just as we were talking, um, my dog came in. And the cat is growling and hissing from the other side of the room. And then the dog growls because the cat is nearby his bone. And so just this little altercation, literally just moments ago, just happened between these two animals, right? And so there it's asserting boundaries. It's asserting dominance. It's trying to fight over. I think they're both trying to protect me from each other, I think. Um, this is a normal thing. This happens all the time. Um, but I guess my question is then, is, is a display of anger ever justified, do you think? A display of anger, I'm going to say, is always justified hmm. because it's it's a it's a human biological. I'm going to even say it's a biological response to setting clear boundaries. Hmm. Now, here's the challenge is that if it's overused or if it goes beyond. It's 
appropriate purpose in the moment, then it's never appropriate. Hmm. So, for example, um, if you uh, so let's suppose that you are interrupting me all the time, and I get angry and dad, say, "Hey, dad, that's interrupting dad, me." Dad, dad, dad. <laughs> exactly. So if that continued, I would get angry to set a boundary. Haley, I need you to listen so that we can create a good experience for our listeners. And I would be firm about that. And I would be angry about that. And then it would subside and we would go on with our interview. Now, if I lost it on you, if I went into rage, or if I started to disrespect you, that goes beyond an appropriate response, which means that I'm angry at something else that I'm contaminating this relationship with. Mm. So if your students said, no, um, I don't want to do this, and you got angry back and said, well, too bad. That's on your assignment this week. And you got mad at each other. And then you went on with your life. They did the assignment, whether they liked it or not. Mm -hmm. They might have been angry. They might have set a boundary, but it wasn't an appropriate boundary. So you set a boundary, a different boundary that was useful because you understand a broader perspective in their life. And that's your accountability as a teacher in their classroom. You go on. But if they lose it or if they start to get resistance because of something they're bringing to the class, that's what we call contaminating anger. And most anger is contaminating. It's about something else that they didn't deal with at the time that contaminates their current relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, would you say, and like, I would argue that it's this contaminating anger. I think that's, that seems to be the most pervasive um, or people who aren't able to separate like, like they're, they're the, the, the subject or sorry, that the, the direction of their anger is not appropriate. So it's lashing out at the store employee for something that's happening at home. Uh, it's lashing out at their husband when it's something happening at work. And so I guess my, my question then dad is how do you distinct when you're feeling angry, when you're almost in the point of rage, how do you take a step back and reflect on the appropriateness of the display of anger um, and the effectiveness of it in, in getting what you need? Well, this is where we have to be connected to ourselves. Before you get behind the wheel of a car, check your inner state. If you're angry, and many of us don't even know that we're walking around angry, and I'll talk in a minute here about how you, how you free yourself from anger, but if, if we're walking around like a volcano just below the surface, and we don't even know that we're angry. And then we get behind the, seat, the wheel of a car and somebody cuts us off and we lose it. And what that does is that the person that cut us off didn't cause us to be angry. We were angry to begin with, but they triggered the volcano. And so uh, it, it, we have to take full responsibility for really connecting with ourselves. So let me help you understand that underneath anger, 
which is a secondary feeling, are primary feelings. And so there's feelings like feeling out of control, feeling insecure, having a loss, feeling uh, fear. These are primary feelings. And we are filled in our society these last two and a half years. We've been inundated with, there isn't with these primary feelings. There isn't a person in this society that has not experienced loss, a loss of freedom, a loss of a loved one, a loss of our health, a loss of spontaneity. We couldn't, we haven't been able to just pick up the phone and say, let's go for a coffee. Well, no, it, you know, we have to plan it. We can't, we couldn't have everything that we wanted. And so we've been filled with these primary feelings, one form or another. Now, as we say in the family violence work, violence is what happens when you don't know what to do with your suffering. Hmm. And so I'm going to just suggest that all of us have suffered. I'm not suggesting, I'm not, this is not a political discussion. It's not a right or wrong. It's a reality. We've suffered to some degree in the last two and a half years. You can't take a society through a pandemic and work toward the betterment of our healthcare system without suffering. Everyone has suffered to some degree. The question becomes, what have you done with your suffering? Have you acknowledged it? Do you have a community that you go to and share your suffering? Do you have a, a friend that you pick up the phone and just say, you know what, I was really hurt today. You know, my mother-in-law, you know, and you know this with grandma, we couldn't really have a, a, a full funeral. We couldn't really be there with her while she was dying. The same thing that happened with uh, your mom's brother. We couldn't really be there. So that is a primary feeling that gets surfaced. What did you do with that? Did you just go on? Did you just push it aside? Or do we stop and recognize it, feel it, connect with it, maybe write about it, be still with it, connect with it, share it, and then let it go? Do we go through the grieving process? Or, and you know, it'll come back. You know, grief is not something that there's closure around. You're going to live with some grief. So what do you do with it? You acknowledge it. But if we, we are so distracted today, we are so distracted with devices, with newsreels, with texts, with social media, that what's happening is we've got a world where I'm going to suggest we're inauthentic because we're not authentically connecting with our suffering. And so what we do is that we go immediately to anger and the anger builds up. Because at just like the primary feelings, we have losses, we have feeling out of control, we have insecurity, we have fears, we have self-doubt. It's all part of the human condition. But if we don't stop and find a way to, to let it go, it turns to this secondary feeling and then it compiles. And it, okay, I didn't deal with this fear. And so it compiles into the angry bag. And maybe I don't get enraged at this moment, but if I don't deal with the fear, it'll go into anger. Now, there, there's two ways of getting that anger. It'll go to eventually rage, or it will go to depression where you take it out on yourself and you, 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 lead, you move toward getting depressed, which is another response or self-critical. 
which is one of the reasons why depression and anxiety, the other thing that happens is it goes to anxiety, which is just another form of trying to manage something that's unmanageable in order to feel safe. So anxiety is another expression of anger, and it just builds up if we're not if we're not connecting to this primary emotions that come with the human condition. It's almost like level one is suffering, level two, like to, to put it, I guess, to, to kind of compile what you're saying, level one is suffering. Uh, and then level two is anger. And then level three is either rage or depression or anxiety. Is that essentially like? I think that's pretty good. I think that's good. Rage, rage is a different feeling than anger, but right. anger, if it's if if it's not uh, really looked at and examined and worked with at a primary level, it will eventually turn to rage. Mm-hmm. And in, in the process, you will also have anxiety along the way because anxiety is this um emotional state of trying to control the uncontrollable when we haven't let go of our primary feelings well and i see this with kids too right like the ones who are the angriest kids usually are dealing with some kind of suffering right whether that be um you know suffering at home or parent tension or instability at home right and that often comes out in anger and then also rage depression or anxiety too right i see this all the time at work It will always be an indication of some suffering. And so the question is, what are we doing with our suffering? Mm -hmm. And what are we doing with our kids to support their suffering? You can't fix the suffering. What we need to do is acknowledge it. And what I'd love to see in a school system is to talk about this, to put those primary feelings up on the board, make them legitimate Mm -hmm. and start to have, I mean, this is what I do in organizations. It's it's an interesting thing. I've been I've been working with many organizations that hire me to come in, and they said, you know what? What we need here is not a consultant, but a grief counselor. And what we do is that we have this circle, and it I uh, I learned it in the trauma field, but it's called the self circle. And what you do is you have four st- four stages. You share a story of what's gone on for you in the last two and a half years. Everybody has a pandemic story. And you could relate it to the pandemic. You could relate it to what's going on in the last month. But you you get into a circle and you you have these self circles, this self uh, sharing. Uh, So the first acronym is S. You tell a story of what's been going on for you. E is what emotion has come up for you. And you probably have to give them the language of emotion because, frankly, we really don't have much language for emotion. We just accept. Uh, anger, frustration. Uh, we we we're not connected to our insecurity, to our self doubt, to our fears. And I, you know, there's you could you could get a thesaurus and list fifty emotions on the board, and have people really talk about the difference between primary and secondary feelings. But really, the important thing is to get down to the primary level. You'll never resolve anger at the secondary level. All you do is create more conflict at the secondary level. And sometimes, you know, you as long as there's equality of power, sometimes you have to just have a good argument. And then once the argument is over, then you say, okay, let's really look at what was going on. And then underneath that are primary feelings. 
So that's the E part of self. The L is what did you learn from this? So that you brainstorm together your learning. What did you learn about? Well, you know, what I learned is I'm not very connected to my, to my fears. What I'm learning is it's okay to be afraid. What I'm, what I'm learning is it's okay to grieve. It's okay to have loss. You can't fix it, but it's okay. And then the F is what will the future look like? What, can, what do we need to do to let go of those emotions so that we can move forward without contaminating our relationships? How can we create a new future together? But ultimately, it's about supporting each other to experience. This is what authenticity is. It's about being real and then finding a way to say, let's let it go. And when we find that those feelings surface again, what a true community is, it's a place where we can share our primary feelings without it running the show. Now, I'll say one more thing about this. The way I look at emotions is a little bit like having, I've had to learn this from dealing with my own depression and my own mental health challenges and my own anxiety in life. I've learned that feelings are like a child in a child seat in the back seat. So that when you're driving and you get this emotion that surfaced, what do you do when you have a child that's screaming in the back seat or crying in the back seat in, a, in the child seat? You pull over, you take the child out of the child seat, and you take five or 10 minutes to comfort them until they settle down. And you hold them and you nurture them. And then you put them back in the child seat when they've settled down. You don't put the child in the driver's seat. Just because they're screaming and they want to get out of the out of the car doesn't mean that they drive the car. <laughs> and so what we've done is as a generation is that we've allowed just by acknowledging feelings, both at the secondary and the primary level, doesn't mean that we have to live our life according to those feelings. Those feelings are not accurate, uh, an accurate compass for our life. What they are is the emotional experience of life. And to be human, you feel that just like you do with a small child. And then you get back into the driver's seat. I like that analogy because it's, oh my gosh, <laughs> silly animals. Speaking of which, now they're all happy. Okay. Um, but I really like that analogy because like you can't also ignore the child in the backseat, just like you can't ignore emotions. You have to deal with it. You can't just pretend it doesn't exist because it's just going to build up and it's not effective for anybody. The, the emotions are just going to get louder and louder and harder and harder to ignore until you spill over. Your cup is full. Your cup overflows, right? And this is my dream is that we create communities where people can be human and that they don't have to escalate it, that they can have a play, a safe place to share these primary feelings. And I think a classroom is a wonderful place to do this. We can't always do it. In fact, I, I usually recommend you don't do it in your primary relationships because then you just get all of the primary gunk and the mess in your marriage. Mm. Uh, and, and I know this from firsthand experience that what, what I've had to do from my, in my own experience is have a community away from my marriage mm -hmm. where I get this kind of support. And then when I'm home with my 
with my family, with, with Val, when I'm home, I get, I bring the best self and mm -hmm. I can share with her. You know, I went through some fear today and I went through some anger today and I went through insecurity today and I can share that with her, but I'm not living it and I'm not um, overwhelmed by it. It's not running me. And therefore I can step back and, and kind of hold like that, like that child in the, in the child seat, I can hold it and share it without it owning me. Hmm. It makes for a good marriage because that kind of vulnerability is there without having to necessarily take care of each other. That's hmm. the purpose of a community. Now it's a balance between having a primary relationship and then having a community to share this with. And you, you, you uh, it, it's a balance between the two so that you're not overly reliant on one relationship to take care of your emotions. Then you end up with codependency or resentment. <laughs> well, the resentment would indicate resentment is just anger that's been held on to. Mm -hmm. So resentment is in itself a primary, a secondary feeling. So underneath mm -hmm. that means that, you know what, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm taking advantage of a, of a relationship. But before we even go there, let's at least connect with ourselves and know what on earth is going on inside of ourselves. Hmm. This might actually be a good topic for a later podcast is primary and secondary emotions. <laughs> Any other thoughts you have around this before we wrap this up today? I think, again, it just kind of goes back to that introspection and checking in and acknowledging the feelings that you have, right? And doing as, as often as you can, doing that kind of that mental check-in pausing, checking in, how are you feeling? What do you need right now? What does your brain, what does your brain need? What does your body need? Right. How are you feeling? Where, the, where, where's that feeling coming from? Pausing, reflecting and being more mindful, right. Connects back to that, those in that connection with authenticity too. to be your best self. You have to be your true self. You know, I, I like, I learned from some amazing leaders and I, I learned even just this last month from a leader that every time they start a meeting, now, this is a very geographically uh, dispersed area across Canada, but every time he, he starts a meeting with his leaders, he will ask, he'll we'll go around and say, what's one, what's one word that would describe your emotion right now? What's one feeling that you're having today mm -hmm. as you start this meeting? And if there's some really, you know, uh, one feeling might be, you know, I'm really feeling insecure or I'm really feeling scared uh, mm -hmm. because they've built this level of trust with each other. And then the question becomes, do you need to spend a few minutes unpacking it with the group before we move into something operational? Do you need, do you need a little space to do that? Nine times out of 10, they'll just, cause I've been working with this team for some time, nine times out of 10, they'll just say, no, I I'm good. I've got support outside, but I just, you know, I just need to let people know where I'm at and it's nothing to do with the group. It's just something that's happened outside of the group and I'm on it. But it's just acknowledging it is what's important. You don't have to, you can't fix this stuff. Mm -hmm. No, I really like that. I actually have a mental health workshop coming up in the school that I'm running this on Friday. So I think even just starting with a check-in with sticky notes, you know, how are you feeling today? What's going I was on? wondering whether how, how appropriate this would be in a classroom yeah. or with a group of students to start checking in with what some of their primary feelings are. Well, I do a, what are you grateful for and what's good, but I think this way it's a little bit more honest too, right? It's not forcing yourself to find something good if you just aren't feeling it today. I like that. And just the acknowledgement that when the anger surfaces, which is a human response, it's a, it's a biological protective response, 
But when the anger surfaces, what's underneath that? And sometimes you can't get to it right now because usually you're angry because you're activated and you're in a stress, you know, you're in a sympathetic stress response. But if you can step back from it for a few minutes and you can begin to look at, okay, what's underneath that anger and explore it and examine it and reflect on it. But th th you have to have time for reflection. And it's, mm -hmm. it's one of those things that we have very little experience with. I was just, I was hearing a speaker last week that was sharing at a conference I was presenting at. She's a neuroscientist. Mm -hmm. And um, she was saying that, um, there, that she was just doing a, a reflecting on a study that she had just done. And the question was, I don't know if I shared this with you before, but no. the question was, uh, what would you rather do? Uh, spend 15 minutes alone with your thoughts or get a, get a shock, ele get electric shock. <laughs> and the vast majority of people would rather be shocked than spend 15 minutes alone with their thoughts. And I think we've just become really unskilled at learning how to just sit and reflect and go inside and, and connect with ourselves. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's we're, we're always searching for we're searching for novelty and we're, 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 we're <laughs> you know, there's um, a line from, I love, I love me Taylor Swift. Um, she just released an album recently. Um, uh, and one of her lyrics was, I'm just going to find it perfectly. Um, Cause this is exactly what it is. Right. Um, do, 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 do. Uh, where is the lyric? don't uh anyway I, I can't find the exact lyric um but basically don't let me leave don't leave me alone with my thoughts <laughs> right <laughs> so you know like like essentially yeah i'm the problem it's me don't let me leave don't leave me alone with my thoughts like <laughs> this is yeah. this is a very prevalent narrative today yeah. that we are carrying around with us yeah and what's happening is all this primary stuff gets gets directed into a secondary level and it's you know and it's create divisiveness which is all expressiveness uh impoliteness incivility impoliteness i don't know if that's a word i just made it up but uh you know incivility in our world divisiveness um critic being critical of ourselves and others mm -hmm. um being impatient these are all indicators of anger that we have not acknowledged at a primary level so i hope that gives a our, our listeners something to reflect on to pause and reflect and acknowledge your feelings before they turn into something else <laughs> so in closing uh what are we grateful for i'll tell you what i'm grateful for is again a, a, a relationship with a daughter that i can have these kind of conversations with that it that yeah. it's valuable to you and that uh, we can enrich each other's life this way this is my life's work and and that you value it and appreciate it i'm extremely grateful for that Oh, likewise, Dad. I really, I cherish these, I cherish these sessions. I love them. Um, and I'm also grateful, even though they drive me crazy and had so much background noise in this one episode for these two Yahoo animals as they're running around and competing for my attention as we speak. So literally there's one right beside me right now, chomping on his bone. The other one was purring a few minutes ago. So it's just, you know, you can't get angry at them though, because you know what? They're just being animals. <laughs> well, you can. You you just have to not put that anger in the driver's seat and throw them over hey, the balcony or something. Just have to set boundaries, like you know, cannot growl right now. Go go find your bone. <laughs> yes, if you're gonna have animals in your house, you have to uh, broaden your boundaries a little bit. This is true, and, and enhance your patience. <laughs>
<laughs> Haley, well, stay real. Take care you of yourself. And we'll see you all next episode. You too, dad. Take care. <laughs>